Now, good to have you all again. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your support, sticking it out with me. Um, we, uh, we've gone through a couple of weeks talking about futuring and looking at what's ahead of us. And this week, I kind of feel a sense of relief because we're going to talk about hope. And the, uh, again, the irony of the Holy Spirit and how things work is to sit there and hear Keith's sermon. I started, I started keeping little marks every time he used the word hope, thinking, it's like he knew what I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah. But um, it really was, it's kind of interesting because, again, the way things have played out over time, we didn't know which lesson I was going to be doing which week. He had his planned well in advance, and here we are kind of falling in line together. So um, 2020 was supposed to be the year. How many of you walked into 2020 with plans and a vision for this was the year? Yeah? It was the year. And uh, then Corona, right? And really, it was March or April, I started hearing a lot of organizations saying, 2020 is just canceled. And it's like, well, no, we still have it. And then by mid-year, uh, people were talking about, you know, 2021 is going to be the year. 2021 is going to be better. And, uh, you know, if you think about this year, we didn't have the Olympics. How many of you missed it? Did you realize that? No Olympics, no award shows. <laughs> no weddings, you know, the weddings were at least altered to some degree. No summer camp. You know, I have a coworker that she sends her kids basically from the start of summer through the end to camps and to, to go to grandparents and all that. None of that happened. So the whole summer they were dealing with that. No graduations, nothing to look forward to except... What did you look forward to this year? What was it? Family time. Lots of it. Lots and lots and lots of family time. The, the new TV show. It's like the conversation. What, what are you watching? What are you watching? What are you, huh? You're, you're going to tell me it. <laughs> I keep seeing all these posts about people baking bread. It's not going on in our house, but apparently that's been something. Baking bread this year has been a big thing. But the, the theme that seems to come up more than all is just putting this year behind us, right? And um, now it's all about 2021, where everything's going to happen, right? Right? Right. Everything's going to be better, Jane. But what if nothing happens? And what's interesting is I started digging into this, and, and there's this, you know, have you all heard the saying, new year, new me? People come into a new year, and they start thinking about a new year and what's going to change. And this comes from human behavior. I didn't think about this, but there's this desire within humans to tie our failure, failures, our shortcomings, the things we didn't quite accomplish on a point in time in the past, and we want to set those roots, attach that. But when your year gets messed up, the routine's off. And so this year was a little confusing. If you don't have a normal spring, then you kind of miss summer because you really didn't know when you moved into it. Uh, you only get summer after a complete spring. And then one of the chairs at an Illinois college says the only opportunity to reset is going to be next spring. You have to go forward because everything else through the year is going to be drained of significance but because we don't have the proper sequence. Things have to happen in an order. That's the way we think. 
Hamlet even says in the Shakespearean play, time is out of joint. And he just didn't feel right. Things felt out of sorts. So how do you measure a year? You measure it based on holidays and seasons. What else? Birthdays, anniversaries, right? Major events. And when you have a year that all of those things are stripped from it, everything feels weird. And so we, what do we naturally do? We're going to put our hope in the future. And that's how we manage the change. Um, every calendar year brings a cycle of hope. January 1st is the year we're going to commit to our diet. Be more disciplined, right? Exercise. I can, I can show you my journal. Uh, this is a this is a confession moment right now. I can show you my journal. Where I was, I told Eric this. I had lost weight. I came into 2020. And on March 17th, when I was told we were at home, I don't want to show you the rest of the journal. Because <laughs> there ain't much. It's just stopped. But we, we promise ourselves this power of change. That something's ahead. Something's out there. Some people in the new year, they set the resolution, and by end of January, they're like, yeah, it didn't happen. Some people hold on to the spring. Some people get almost to the end of the year and then say, nah, it's November. I'll do it in January, right? So those are the patterns we follow. But through all of that, why do we keep thinking something better is ahead? What's that trait? It's hope. Delusion. <laughs> that is not this lesson. <laughs> it's hope. It's hope. <laughs> We're going to stay later and pray, okay? <laughs> so do any of us know what 21 is going to bring? 2021? No, we don't. But we all feel like something will be better. And it's this desire, this want for something better. The Summer Olympics will happen, or they may not, right? Weddings, bunches and bunches and bunches of weddings were postponed because they're going to happen in the first or second quarter of 21, or they won't. And so there are no clear answers as to what's going to happen, and I'm not really sure we care anymore because we just don't know. But there's this little... This little thing that just stays in us that is hope. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is, um, talk about what it's not, and then how we use it, how we manage it. And uh, the definition can differ greatly depending on the person talking and the circumstances, right? Because if I asked all of you all what you thought hope was, those of you online, if you wanted to post what your definition of hope is, it would be interesting to see the variety. But it generally is when you talk about hope, it's hoping for something better, right? Hoping for the best. The dictionary definition makes hope seem close to a wish or to cherish a desire with anticipation to want something to happen or be true. Hope is this optimistic look forward and this expectation something will be better. Uh, as a verb, the definition says, expect with confidence. And so for a, from a general standpoint, I just want to say, hope is a desire for things to change for the better and to want that better situation very much. Does that work? I want things to change for the better and to want that very, better situation very much. 
And of all the things that we can experience and the traits that we can tie it to, hope is probably the closest to trust when you start talking about a biblical or spiritual setting. When you have hope, you're placing your trust in the potential for the likelihood of something positive to happen. Does that make sense? So when you hope for a better future, you're placing trust in yourself to do better things, to make good choices. That's what we hope for, right? When you, hope, when you trust in someone else, you hope they're gonna act in a way that embodies you. When you jump out of an airplane, you hope you land safely. But where do you put your trust? You put your trust in the parachute, right? That you have the parachute, you trust in that. So the very fact of carrying on and living our lives and going through every day is just a display of hope. The fact that you got up this morning is a sign of hope because it's a new day filled with what possibilities. Maybe Lisa won't be around me all day long and she'll be happier with that, right? Is that the hope? You know, you just don't know. She might say that. She's not in here, so I'm gonna say that to her. She's watching online. I hope she isn't yet. Um, but it's hope is the trust that you have when you go to bed at night, you'll wake up with a new day filled with possibility. Desmond Tutu said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Okay? Emily Dickinson said, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tunes without the words and never stops at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a poetic person, but I like that one. That one, it's the thing with feathers that perches in the soul, sings the tunes without the words, and never stops. Three weeks ago, I was reading this novel, and there was a character in it, and I really like when you're reading a fiction novel, it has nothing to do with God or church or the Bible, and something speaks out to you where you see the writer take a character and dance with the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? And there's this character in there that said, hope could not exist if man, let me, let me restate that. Hope could not exist if man were created by a random chemical accident. Pleasure could exist, desire could exist, but not hope. Selfless hope is contrary to the dynamics of evolution or the necessities of the species. And I, I stopped had nothing to do with the book. I didn't know where this lesson was, you know, we were gonna be talking about hope, but I started digging into it. What does he mean by that? And as we dig into what hope is, we consider where we come from and, and ask, where did it come from? If we evolved from animals and we place this trust and hope, why should we do that? We really should always place our trust into what we individually have experienced, right? And so, and last week, I didn't realize that lions were a big deal for me. Apparently, last week when I talked about fear, I was talking about lions. And lions came up this week too as I'm preparing for it. But if, if I've always walked, seen lions around and been afraid of a lion, why should I hope anything should happen differently and walk into a lion's den? Right? We, we are given this gift. We're given this sense of something positive. And faith, hope, and love are the greatest examples of God's gift. And as you dig into it and realize, this isn't an evolutionary thing. 
If you think about love in the sense of altruistic or giving love in picking a spouse, animals would go around trying to find the most loving one, but they don't. Females of the species turn to the males that are the most dominant and the most powerful, not the most loving. So again, God separated us and gave us these gifts and gives us this blessing, and that's one of the first things I wanted to get from this is true hope comes from God. It's not an evolutionary thing. There's no reason I should think something better is going to come of the next events if it wasn't for what God put into us. God is a creator of all things, including hope. A car can't bring true hope. That's a joke because you know I like cars. It can bring a feeling of contentment. It can bring exhilaration. It can bring you other emotions, but not hope. Financial stability. We were just talking about the market and everything. Can I get true hope from my finances? No. No, you can't. It could maybe bring you a sense of security, a sense of ease, but it's always in jeopardy. So we have to look at who created hope. That was God, and that's who we're going to get hope from. And we have to trust God when things are difficult. Romans 15, 13, and I realized this morning I didn't send my note pages, so I will get that to you so we can attach it to this. But Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So true hope comes from God. Hope is a gift. It's just a blessing we're given. And it's a wonderful result of the hope from the Holy Spirit is it gives us the power to recognize it, believe in it, and demonstrate it. It gives us confidence, joy, peace, power, and love. That's the true gift. Hope is never lost. Now, I know there are times we can feel like it doesn't exist, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but hope is always crying out to be heard, to be seen, and to be experienced. It can be quieted. You can ignore it, and some of us do many a time, but it, it can't go away. We can find rest when we confidently hope in the Lord. Hope is unseen, but if it's unseen, how can we trust it? If I sat down in this chair and I trusted it would hold me, right? Um, if somebody's baking um, a cake or cookies, I trust I'm going to smell that when I walk in the room. I talked about being an insurance, an insurance policy. I can't see the money that they'll pay when a loss happens, but I trust in it. And all of these things are based on legal and natural laws, things that we have been guided to and we've studied and we know that we're gonna happen. So why should I trust in something unseen like hope? Well, it comes from the law of God. God created it. I should trust in it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then the last point on all this is hope endures. Hoping in God will never lead us into despair because he has a plan for all of us to look to him. He has a future and it is full of hope. 
Proverbs 23, 18, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. But in the world around us, here's what happens is we tend to just talk about hope being this, this wish, this fanciful desire. I hope tomorrow is a better day. I hope 2021 is gonna be a better year. I hope to go to Disney World next year and there won't be any lines. I hope the Titans win the Super Bowl. Now, will these things happen? They may or may not, right? They may not happen or come to pass, but the hope of believers is more than just this desire or wish. It goes further when we start talking about what we feel in following confidence in God. I'm gonna quote G.K. Chesterton. He observed that hope only has any real meaning when things are hopeless. I thought that was kind of interesting. He said, and this is a quote, as long as matters are really hopeful, hope is a mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Thought that was kind of interesting. And we must, we've just got to recognize and learn that our culture's view of hope and the hope we have in Christ are totally different. Hope is not mere optimism or wishful thinking. It's an essential part of faith. In Psalms, it's mentioned 23 times when we hope in the Lord. And these benefits await us. And you know, just a few of them I want to hit on. Hope in the Lord gives us strength. Our culture teaches us to have self-confidence. So if I'm going to start believing in myself, how's that going to turn out? Those of you that know me, I'm fallible. I'm sorry to break it to you, but I'm fallible. Um, but believers who place their confidence in the Lord, we will we'll find in time that his strength, his gifts, his presence, he's a just and faithful Lord. And so we place our hope in him. Hope in the Lord teaches us patience. Um, society tells us we gotta sh- solve our own problems. Don't sit around and wait for God to take care of it. Do something about it, right? But if we face an impossible or hopeless situation, we got to learn to wait patiently on the Lord. And that's tough. Uh, we don't need to be anxious or worried. That was what we talked about last time. But we can still, in the midst of fear, anxiety, worry, have hope for something better because God tells us, I love you. It is not going to ever fail you. There is something better. And then lastly, in this group, hope in the Lord brings encouragement. Teaches us patience, brings us strength, and brings us encouragement. And you know the feeling you get at the end of a long week, and it's really, it's become evident to me lately. Fridays mean something a lot lately. And you get this feeling that, oh my goodness, I made it to the end of a week. I'm gonna get two weeks, two days to stay in the same building I've been in and follow a similar pattern, but I don't have to work, right? So you get this anticipation that builds up and you look for and just feel this lift. Imagine if we looked forward to eternity with that anticipation, that everything ahead of us for thousands and thousands of years is gonna be a weekend. That would change our perception, and that's where we would turn to, um, in Titus 2.3, it says we are to anticipate his glorious return. And so biblical hope, which is what we wanna spend the time talking about, puts faith in God. So, you know, the, the word we use in English leaves a little bit of doubt. And so we have to be careful to recognize that difference. I hope it will not rain tomorrow. 
Sometimes if I said to, you know, approached you with a question and said, well, do you think you're gonna do well this week at work? We say, I hope so. We even modify it to add that sense of uncertainty. But the meaning in the Bible is a word, that there's a specific word in the Bible for hope that I wanna take time to talk about. Uh, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, and forgive me if I pronounce it wrong, and you can correct me if you know your Hebrew, is batah, B-A-T-A-H. And its various forms have the meaning of confidence, security, and without care. That's the word hope that's in the Old Testament. There is no doubt for that word, hope, in the Old Testament. You'll find it in Job 6.20, Psalm 16.9, Psalm 22.9, and Ecclesiastes 9.4. And then in the New Testament, the Greek term is elpis or elpizo, and there is no doubt attached to that word. It is a sure thing. Hope is absolute and established. So biblical hope is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure and foundation for which we wait with joy and full confidence. No doubt about it. Um, one of the verses in, that I wanted to point out is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this is the beginning of what they call the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. And it carries with it all the confidence that comes knowing for sure with no question what we've been promised by God in his word. Our faith is confident assurance for it's founded upon Jesus Christ, right? All the actions of the heroes of faith that are laid out in Hebrews 11 uh, are made possible because they had this faith, confident assurance and hope in God. In 1 Peter 3.15, we're also to remind, uh, we're also be called to give an answer for the hope that is within us. So biblical hope is a reality and not a feeling. It, it exists. It is something that goes beyond um, just, I have that emotion or that response. So when you read the hope in the Bible, you set your hope, for example, 1 Peter 1.13, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought in to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. Hope is not wishful thinking. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I hope it happens, which means it will happen. When, you know, I was trying to think of examples and separate what biblical hope is and the spiritual hope that God plants in us. And I, I thought about a marriage. I thought about when you walk into and, and get engaged and you plan to express those vows, we say till death do us part. Mathematically, there's not necessarily a promise there, right? In society, mathematically, marriages fail. Logically, I can sit there and look at logic and statistics and realize people change over time. Marriage may fail, but why would we ever enter into marriage if we just looked at math and logic? It's that hope. It's that assurance that we are bigger and beyond this, you know, just what math and society shows us because of God, Right? It's him being part of that relationship. So that's the strong confidence we walk into a marriage relationship and it goes beyond um, just what society has declared. 
because that's the gift God has given to that union. Biblical hope is not a mere desire for something good to happen. It is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. It has moral certainty in it. The word says hope in God does not mean, and this is William Carey's quote, I like this. It doesn't mean cross your fingers. It, just, it means expect great things from God. That's hope. Expect great things from God. But hope is not optimism. You know, that's the thing we have to remember here. An optimist is generally more hopeful than others. You know, a pessimistic person, a pessimistic person may be less hopeful. But a pessimist can still have hope that things will get better, right? So you have to separate that and realize that hope is usually focused on an issue or some aspect of the future. I hope I get that job interview for her. I hope she calls me. Um, I hope I get that bike I wanted, you know, in the holiday season. But you'll see these words in the dictionary that talk about desire, anticipation, expectation. All of those things are really a lot more shallow. And hope goes much deeper than that. Because if we don't get the thing we wanted, if you're a child and you're opening up on Christmas morning and you're, you're seeing these things or it's your birthday party, whatever the event is, and you don't get it, how do we react? We get upset, right? We're disappointed. We're let down. We're not grateful for what we did get. But hope goes beyond. That's anticipation and desire. Hope goes beyond just the want of that single individual moment. Hope is a recognition that something positive is going to come out of this greater than what we're talking about. Um, I was trying to figure out in all of this, and this is going to sound like a corny question, a very simple question, but is, is hope that important? It's essential, you know? I'm seeing you all nod. It's, it is absolutely essential. It keeps us going. It's, it's the thing that makes us stand up and move forward, and especially right now, we need that, Right? Because if we envision something hopeful, and this is kind of the interesting side of it, we tend to be happier, right? We tend to find positive, uh, positive energy. The American Psychology Association said that the children who grow up in poverty but had great success later in life, the one trait they all had was hope for something better. So a few things here I wanted to just point out. Hope is a healer. Hope sees, wants us to see the positive possibilities ahead of us and whispers things will get better. It wants us to put the hurt and pain into perspective. Hope shows us how to act. When we have hope, we're more likely to see the opportunities that are coming our way because if you're sitting there and you're not hopeful, you're not going to see the good side of it. If you're hopeful, you'll see the opportunities. Hope will help us choose a path to something more positive. And we're more likely to act in a way that promotes a peaceful and joyful life instead of a destructive and angry life. Hope is a motivator. It's a source of energy. So, you know, if I'm sitting there and thinking nothing good's going to come out of the day, how's my day going to go? Right? So it's a source of energy. We see something better ahead. We put one foot forward and we go forward. We're prepared to work. Um, hope keeps us going when work we hit a brick wall, right? Because there can't be another brick wall. Well, there might be. Okay, there can't be another. There might be. But it's hope that keeps us pushing forward. Hope encourages belief. 
And I know that sounds kind of simplistic in the way I said it, but it not only helps you to believe that something better's coming, but remember, it's something better coming from God. It's the gift that he's planted in us. Faulkner encouraged up, you know, placing us, placing our sights in hope. He says, you cannot swim for new horizons until you have courage to lose sight of the shore. So it's the hope of what's out there and what lies beyond. Hope combats negative thoughts. Can you imagine having negative thoughts while being hopeful? It doesn't work. So if you're thinking with there's a light at the end of this tunnel, there's something out there, you will not be drugged down into just staying in the negative attitude. When you think I can't do this, hope reminds you, yes, you can. When you think this is a disaster, hope reminds you this will improve. When you think I hate my life, Hope reminds you there's something, there's something out there. There's, your life's full of potential. There's so many things. And when hope can't eradicate, eradicate all those negative thoughts, then we should still reach to it even more so because with time, you'll start trying to get, you'll start feeling more of a positive influence. Hope brings inner peace. That's another point I wanted to bring out. With negative thoughts, hope can help ease negative feelings too. It's the opposite of despair. Hope allows joy where despair creates this self-loathing, inaction, and depression. Hope brings enthusiasm and a quiet contentment to grow. And then the last point I wanted to say that hope does for us is it's contagious. And this is the thing that really brings out to me why God planted in us this hope. He wants us to realize that it isn't just about me, that my hope is to maybe reach out and bring something to you. Because if you see that I'm hopeful in a difficult situation, what's that do for you? And that's why God is planning in each one of us is that it's gonna spread, and it's gonna spread quickly. Because if we start believing in it, you know, that's the more we see hope, the more we see others walking through life, it will inspire us. If we don't believe that God is involved in our future, we're gonna be anxious more and more, right? You're gonna start questioning ourselves, our future, looking at potential, and if we're so busy looking at those negative outcomes, how loving are we gonna to be to the people around us? And that's, that's the thing that we're reminded. This is a God of love. He wants to give us hope so that we can be self-sacrificing givers of love. If we don't have the hope that Christ is for us, then we'll be engaged in self-preservation and self-enhancement. If we let ourselves be taken care of by God for the future, whether five minutes or five years or five centuries, then we're freed up to love others. So how do we get hope? Well, I told you it was a gift. We, we all have it. We've all been given it. But how do we build our hope in God? And it's, it's kind of interesting because you talk about faith, hope, and love. I mentioned that as the gifts. Hope is the future portion of faith. Um, faith and hope are overlapping, but hope, faith is hope, if that makes sense, I guess. Most of faith is hope because we don't know what's coming, and therefore, in order to walk in faith, we have to have hope. 
One, one writer said that he felt the most important verse in the Bible is Romans 8.32. And I'm like, Romans 8.32? I don't remember the word hope in there. And Romans 8.32 says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for, all, for us all, won't he also give up everything else? I butchered that. So since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? And I'm sitting there going, well, where's the hope in that? Well, this writer said, look at it. He did not even spare his own son. There's the faith. There's, there's the hope. If he, if he did that, what's he going to do for me? And this is where we have to look in the Bible, not necessarily doing a, a search for the word hope. Look for the verses and the language around the things that you're dealing with, be it financial, be it emotional, be it related to love and a relationship. Look for those things because the word will bring the hope in what the message is there without using the word hope. Look to Christ and Jesus is the answer and hope will never disappoint. People will fail us, economies will fail us, companies will fail us. But only Jesus is enough to bring us the hope that we need. He will not fail us. I've got other verses here that I'll, I'll list them if you want them. 1 John 5, 13 through 14. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And John 4, 13 through 14. And we'll get, like I said, we'll get those out for everybody. But the question is, is, and I was talking about hope being a motivator for us, and if we have hope, there's a motivation there for us to obey God. Uh, and that's, that's really what matters. That's how we do good. That's how we pour into other people. And if our life feels hopeless, we can become discouraged. But if we're sitting there looking at the gift that God gave us and we're spreading it, uh, around, imagine what our hope can be to expand the kingdom of heaven. The hope of heaven encourages us to obey God. In Matthew 5, 12, he talks about great is your reward of heaven. Obey God in the face of adversity. Uh, Romans 6, 23, we didn't earn it, but it was a free gift. It's still powerful. It's not just because it's free doesn't mean it's not worth something, but it was a free gift to us. Um, you know, the reason we should use hope is because if we are hopeless, that's as close to hell as we can be. If there is no hope, uh, Ephesians 2.12 says, having no hope and being without God in the world, only hell itself could be worse. Um, if we have hope only in this life, we only in this life, we are of all men most miserable. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 19. So hope is something that di distinguishes and separates us from um, the sadness that could be hell where you're totally separated from God. Hope can turn despair into enthusiasm, Romans 8, 25. Hope motivates work. Hope produces zeal. Hope produces dedication. So there's all of these things that remind us, but we say, how do we use this? Um, and the verse is pointed out to us, set your mind on things above. If I'm sitting there worrying about things in this life and things here, I am not going to be hopeful. I have to look for something bigger, and that's Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We don't want to let hope get lazy. We don't want to not use it. Um, 
We want to make sure that it's part of our life and we want to share it. Uh, I, I like this other one. This is Spurgeon's quote. Hope is like a star. Stars are amazing, right? But you only see them in the dark. So the darker the sky, the brighter the stars. And Spurgeon said, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. So if we know hope is like a star, we only see it when we're facing suffering, truly, um, then that's the point where we ought to be more thankful for it than any other time. And yet that's also the time we tend to cast it aside if we're not careful. I, um, I have had several friends lately that have gone through some really, really tough times. Um, and as I was talking or studying on and reading about hope, I was sitting here watching some of them go through some, some difficult walks. Good friend who's dealing with illness, and he doesn't, you know, the prognosis is not good. Another friend whose mother had been uh, diagnosed and has been fighting, and this past week uh, she passed, and he got to be with her. And um, there's, there's a, an interesting twist to this that I just wanted to spend a minute and talk about, and it's acceptance, because it sounds like if you accept what's happening in society, you've given up. And that's not the reality. Acceptance of a difficult situation, and I saw it with my friend whose mother passed, um, was you know, him saying, I know there's a greater place for her. I've gotten to spend over the last few months hours and hours and hours with her at her side, hear her heart, hear stories he had never heard. And he said, and she passed peacefully. And while it hurts, I know there's a better place because she told me there was. She told me where she was going. And that acceptance in the midst of a tough time, that is the evidence of the faith walk and having hope. Um, if, if there's somebody that feels this fear and worry and dread, I talked about it last week, and it's just something I want to be sensitive to, especially if anybody's watching online. If you're feeling that, turn to someone else. It's, it's the time to reach out because as, as we studied, psychologically, biblically, and everything else, procrastination just makes worry worse because we just keep building on it and we keep churning on it. But if there's a challenge, reach out and ask for help. Reach out to your pastor. Reach out to a church. Reach out to a professional because this is the time where you need to be reminded you have hope. We all have it ingrained in who we are. It was given at the point we were created. We just may be ignoring it, or we may not be feeling it at that moment. It's amazing the imaginations we have, and I'm so thankful we can get creative in our mind, but part of the problem is, is we can sit there in this imagination and we can imagine the worst outcomes, right? Instead of listening to God and following through on him, but we start trying to create these ultimate future visions that are bad. Imagine if we could just imagine good things. Psalm 130, verse 5, 
I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I've put my hope in his word. So what are you counting on? Hebrews 10, 35 through 36. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. There's that word patience again. Isn't it interesting that it just keeps coming up? 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 is another one, good one to read if you have the chance. Um, a buddy of mine sent me this article at the start of COVID uh, on Admiral James Stockdale. Does anybody know who James Stockdale is? Trivia question for the group. VP candidate with Ross Perot, right. And if you saw that debate, you would not be impressed with Admiral James Stockdale. But James Stockdale was a decorated veteran who was a POW in Vietnam for seven years. And he went through this period of time, and, and, and he wrote in his memoirs this powerful story of what he went through when he was a prisoner of war. And an author was gonna sit down and interview him, and the author read this, knowing that now Stockdale's free, and he's had a family, and he's had the opportunity to serve the, you know, not only our country, but in so many ways he's had the happy ending, if you will, the story got better. But he read this and said, how did you survive? And Stockdale said, I was not an optimist. He said, I watched people that would look at and say, if we get freed by Thanksgiving, we'll be okay. And then Thanksgiving would come and they wouldn't. Okay, if we're, if we're out by Easter, then we'll be okay. And, and it would come and they weren't. And he said, I watched them deteriorate. And he said, everybody wanted us to be an optimist while you're in this prisoner of war camp. And he said, we were in a bad, bad situation, but I never gave up because I knew this was going to be one of those events that defined who I was. He said, um, sorry, I lost my place. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. So the reporter's sitting there going, you know, how, how did you do that? And Stockdale said, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And that has become known as the Stockdale Paradox. Psychologists talk about it. It's this desire and this understanding and this hope into the ultimate outcome while you are in the worst spot possible. How do you have that faith and that hope when things are so bad in the moment? We should be happy. I am happy, he said, but you know, it's this, because he knew where it was going to end up. I lived on a day-to-day -day basis. So as we think about the fact that we're in this for the long haul, we're, we're looking forward to a new year, and we're thinking about, okay, how do I approach it? Do we approach it with the society hope of it will be better and once we get this vaccine or once we get this mask or we once we do this and that, everything's going to be okay. 
Or do we look even further than that at what God has promised? And that's the hope that we should look at. Again, there's several verses I want to look at. I, I would encourage you all to look at Romans 8, 18 through 28. Um, and I'll just read a couple pieces from that. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Think about that. What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he's going to reveal to us. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And if you jump on down, it says, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And that hope is not a word of, I hope so. That is a word that is complete and assured. So as I've, we've been talking about futuring, I've, I've kind of keep saying, and it's, I think it's important because I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've got one of those imaginations that I'll fast forward and I'll figure out the different paths. Few things I wanted us to walk away is be present, right? I've said it a couple of times, and it's hard in the moment to be present. And the one writer said, just stop where you're at. If you feel yourself in that place, and go step outside and take a deep breath. It's that awareness to just find and be reminded, I'm alive, and give thanks for that simple moment. Be praying, and in the Word, I've, I've said that a couple of times, if we read one Bible verse a day on hope, now again, it may not have the word hope, it may be on the issue that we're dealing with, but the power of the Word of God will bring hope back to your heart. It never left, it'll just be the reminder of the gift you've been given. The third thing is be positive. And it's really hard in the middle of all this to say, oh, it's all gonna be okay. It is gonna be okay. There's a promised future in God's law. What's coming? It is gonna be okay. We have all we need in Christ. Rest and be secure in that truth. And then the last one I wanna add here is don't give way to the darkness. And again, keep in mind, there are stars in the sky in the darkness. That hope exists. God is still working on you. And that's really the hope that I wanted to add to today, the fourth thing. Don't give way to the darkness. Say a prayer for someone else. Because if your moment feels bad, there's somebody else out there that needs your prayer. And just you praying for them spreads that, that gift and that blessing of hope. Um, I wanted to just, again, go back and revisit Psalm 23. We've been using that each week. Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And if you read that again, um, I can't help but look at the positive things in there that remind us of the hope that he's given us. So again, revisit Psalm 23, one through six. But the last line in that, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Um, Keith said in the sermon today, and I, I wrote it down, Christ, is, Christ in us, hope of glory. Did I get it right? Christ in us, hope of glory. And just remember that hope is not I hope so of glory. It is assured, assured glory. It's coming. Let's go to the Lord and kind of wrap in prayer. God, that I, I just have so many things on my heart. Uh, I've just seen so much hurt.
so much uncertainty, Lord, so many people just asking questions. And the excitement that I feel from it, Lord, is that we're all asking and looking for something better, and it's promised. From the beginning, you instilled with us a recognition as your creation that there is something better. There is something coming. And no matter how dark and how difficult that moment is, there's a promise and a hope that we can turn to your son. For that, I'm just so thankful, Lord. I just ask for your peace and your reminder of those stars in the sky for those that have dealt with loss, Lord, this last week, those that are worried about loss in the future, those that are dealing with uncertainty, those that are dealing with tragedy, Lord, just be with each one of us that we have the right word at the right moment. And let us be mindful of um, Admiral Scott Stockdale, Lord, just at a moment where everything was as bad as could possibly be, and yet he knew it was going to define who he was and who he was going to be because of the gift of your son. He had faith in the outcome, and that faith only comes from your son, Jesus Christ. For that, Lord, we, we're just so appreciative that there is no doubt. It is a sure thing. And as we look at 21, the year ahead, we realize that it's just a moment. And it's a moment filled with the promise of something better. And that promise comes from you. It's in your law. For that, Lord, we're so thankful. We're so grateful. And we're going to walk out, Lord, thinking good thoughts and the good news. Be with those online. Be with those in this room. And just, God, thank you for being with us. Amen.